The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Study! Beam us up. Welcome to another episode of Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I am Brent Allen, and I've seen every episode of Star Trek multiple times. And I'm Matt Sonnenberg, and this is my first time through the series. And this is the show for anyone who has ever been curious what the big hairy deal is about Star Trek. But that 770, now up to 80 hours to consume all of the content just seems really daunting. This show's for you. We are doing a run of select episodes that's going to give anyone who is new to the franchise a, a pretty good understanding of what Star Trek is all about, the what I call the history of the future, and uh, why people just tend to love this show or fall in love with these characters. And it could cover any one of those topics. Um, Matt, we'll, we'll see where we go, but do me a favor, remind people where they can get in touch with us out there on the internet. I can do that. Uh, if you head over to beammeuppod.com, that's our official website for this podcast. Uh, it has all the ways you can get in touch with us over there. That's the easiest place to do it. Uh, but if you're a big fan of the show and want to do something a little extra for us, you can head over to patreon.com slash beammeuppod. And there you'll find a few options for uh, different levels of support. And uh, we'll get you some extras along the way for doing so is some of those extras coming this week matt as we put this episode out yeah some new extra viewings are going to be dropping that's good to know this particular week so you guys head over to patreon that'll be a place where you can get some of our extra viewing episodes uh because i can't wait to get into those matt's looking at me and going which ones are we going to do i'll tell you later anyway uh today's episode is the second episode of season four of star trek the next generation titled family or as I like to call it, the best of both worlds, part three. Now, Matt, before we get into the recap of the episode and have you walk us through this, you have seen this episode for the very first time. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what are some of your initial thoughts on family? It's well, I, I, I can see why you call it part three. Uh -huh. I can see also why you kind of wanted to lump it into the last episode we did. Uh-huh. Which I think may have been a good idea, uh, other than the fact it would have made a really long episode. Right. But I, I I this episode is gonna be weird. It, it might okay. be kind of short, although uh -huh. I always say that, and then we still find something to talk about. Maybe it's just me telling you how bad it was. Yeah. I, I think a rule of podcasting, it, it it's a law, actually. I think, Matt, as it, it's it's like a, a a Newtonian law of podcasting. Whenever you say it's going to be a short episode, it's it not. turns out to be a longer episode, actually, than, than what you normally. So we'll see if we can't keep this into our normal runtime on there. Matt, I, I fully understand what you're saying. And I have to admit for this particular episode, for me personally, this is one that has taken a long time for me to come to appreciate in the way okay. that I appreciate this I, as a fan now. I, I guess the one question I have for you uh -huh. is... If we, because hmm, the original plan was to lump this in, mm -hmm. man, I, I, I don't even know how to really phrase this question. Right. The original it, plan it, was to do best of both worlds. Part one, mm -hmm. wait a week, make you 
experience the cliffhanger and then just wrap up best of both worlds two and three in one episode. That was the original plan, but yeah. we wound up splitting it just because of time. And, and I, w- w- would, I guess, would you, would you say this episode was always part of the plan or did you kind of say, eh, well, it really kind of finished this story. So we have to include it. I don't mm-hmm. really want to. Um, this episode was definitely always a part of the the list of episodes that I've kind of had as like a essential episodes that need to be watched. Okay. Um, there are, I, I mean, learning about, about, uh, I know what's coming. Sure. <laughs> and there, and there's, there's also just something to what we get out of this episode and what this episode is trying to say that, I, that I find, um, really intriguing, super important. And, uh, I, and actually, I was going to save this for the end, but I'll go ahead and say it now, Matt. I I think now with this episode here with family, we have done this is like our, I don't know, uh, 13th, 14th episode of Next Generation. Okay, You have seen enough of this crew. You've seen enough of Next Generation. You know who the crew is. Sure. You you got to you have a feel for what's for how this show goes. Yes. You know what I mean? And so we're kind of, I think, turning a corner on our run through next generation where now that you kind of have an idea about that is it change, it's going to change the way that I pick shows for the rest of the run. And we're really going to narrow in on the marquee episodes, the ones that people talk about all the time or the ones that really affect the, the future timeline of Star Trek. Sure. Does that make sense? The ones that, that really dig into uh, the characters, which by the way is, is a turn that the show itself is taking with Michael pillar. Remember we've talked about him so often here recently um, <laughs> Very much. with, with him taking over so much, he's really turning this into more studies on the characters than he is, you know, alien of the week or world. We're going to go visit for the week. And uh-huh. uh, we, we're really going to get into the acting chops of our main cast and start digging into, into those and I think these are the episodes where hopefully Matt, for you, you begin to fall in love with these characters, not just like, I'm like, Oh, this is fun. This is exciting. This is cool. No, no, no. Like you really get to know these guys and begin to fall in love with them. And you fall in love with the actors who are portraying them just because turns out they're really stinking good at their job, <laughs> you know? So we'll see. And, and, Time will tell. but like I said, I, I get your initial reaction to this particular episode because it's one out of all of them. This is one that has taken me some time to get it, it seasons. I think this one seasons very, very well, if that makes sense. Uh, okay. you, you get to know it. So uh, with that, Matt, uh, this is kind of the spot of the show where we talk about our, our character actor spotlight. There is absolutely nobody I want to highlight today. <laughs> There's just not. It's the, actor, okay the, the guest actors are the guest actors. It, it It's, Nobody really necessary to point out here. So uh, with that, Matt, uh, why don't we go ahead and just start walking through the scene cause, uh, through the show? Because maybe there's some stuff that we have to really get in there and talk about um, uh, with that. Um, don't want to talk about this particular quote here. Um, now I'm going to save this one. OK, why don't we get into it? How, what do you say? Let's do it. All right. And then the rules for people who might be listening, you're maybe new. This is the spot. I'm going to just sort of go through and read a recap of the show. And as I do that, Matt's going to stop me in in various places along the way and give us his comments and his thoughts on the show as it goes. So this is the episode family. All right. Prologue. The enterprise is in space dock at McKinley station, which is in orbit of earth undergoing repairs from its recent encounter to the Borg and a new refit. 
Riker is back to being a commander, and he's taking care of some regular ship's business, duty list, crew rotations, you know, the usual stuff. Worf comes in to let him know that the phaser upgrade is complete, at which point Riker drops a bomb on Worf. His parents are coming for a visit. Worf isn't too thrilled. He's told them of his discommendation and that no human could ever understand his dishonor. Yeah, so I guess I'm glad to see Riker's back at commander. Mm -hmm. And that means our crew can kind of stay as is right <laughs> but yep. there's no need for major changes there right but th this this docking station mm -hmm. that's that's a piece of work mm -hmm. especially considering once again that how big the enterprise is mm -hmm. and that this docking station like wraps around it yeah yeah it's a very specialized station i yeah. would say well i mean think about it though i when when you have a boat, you have a ship that needs to be repaired. They pull it into dry dock, right? Sure. They pull it out. Of, it's got to wrap around the boat and pick it up out of the water. And, and there it is. You know, these, these ships are not meant to land on planets. No. Right. So, you know, you've, you've got to build that app or, you know, somehow you've got to build the thing, you know, it, um, it makes you wonder how they built them in the first place or where they built them in the first place. Would you like to know? I don't mind telling you. Sure. Would you like to know? Uh, they built them out by Mars. Okay. So, have, so, so they did uh, build them in space. Yeah. They built them in space uh, out in Mars. They have uh, the, the, I believe it's called the Utopia Planisa shipyards and it's where sure. they build the, the ships for the Federation for Starfleet. Okay. So of course it's in near earth orbit. Um, well, you know, it couldn't be sense. out by Vulcans yeah. or one of those guys. It's gotta be by us, you know, but Starfleet headquarters is here on earth. It's in San Francisco. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's where they build them and they do, they build them in space and, you know, launch them from space. Isn't it space dock, right? They call it space. Well, dock. Yeah. I mean, then, then you don't have to worry about ever, you know, taking them through the atmosphere and stuff. Exactly. Cause you don't have to worry about uh, what, what do they call that? Escape velocity. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I guess you can counter that with, with uh inertial damper. Maybe, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I can't, I can't. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah. So Riker's back to being a, a, a commander, this uh, space dock and you'll see space dock occasionally, you know, here and there throughout the thread. Now, if you think that that's big, I'm just going to say, wait till we get to space stations. Yeah. And specifically one. Well, called well, I, I, I think that's kind of what I w was expecting to see in the first place. Uh-huh. Cause they, they just said they were docked at McKinley station. Mm -hmm. And so then when we got that shot and it's like, Oh, McKinley station is wrapped around you. Okay. <laughs> that's not what I was expecting. Right. And it, it kind of looks like it has like this claw effect, right? Like it kind of, mm -hmm. well, well, like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I fully think it, ha it has to open up and, and, uh -huh. and kind of come back around it because there's no way it, it, it's like when you see a curved sword in a sheath, I'm like, no, no, oh, yeah. it doesn't work like that. Right. <laughs> right. It, it yeah. You try to pull that out of there. It's not going to work. Right. Right. Um, what do you think about the idea of Worf's parents coming on board, man? Worf's like, uh, crap. I, well, it took me a while, uh huh, to to put all the pieces together again, because I'm like, are his parents dead? Uh huh. Didn't didn't we just talk about his father and he, how he, his father is dead? Right. A few weeks ago. Um, and, and so it, it it wasn't until they mentioned human. I'm like, oh. Okay. Yeah, those parents. Like adoptive parents. Uh -huh. Got it. Uh -huh. Yeah, that that was not coming together for me at all. <laughs> well, we'll we'll talk about those guys here in just uh in I'm just sure a few minutes. Um so, yeah, the the red chinkos, they are they are something else. All right. 
Uh, over in his quarters, still in the prologue, over in his quarters, Deanna is just hanging out in Captain Picard's quarters while he's packing. He's about to head home to Labar, France, the village where he grew up, a place he hasn't been to in 20 years. Deanna finds it interesting. Picard doesn't really understand. His injuries are healing, and he's better. At least the injuries on the outside are, Deanna says. The truth is, Deanna is actually thrilled Picard is taking some time off. She's just not so sure about his chosen destination to go home. She says it's perfectly normal, especially after what he's just been through with the Borg, to go find himself again. She wishes wishes him well, gives him a rather awkward kiss on the cheek, and with one last look at his quarters, Picard is off. Once again, it's weird to see Picard out of uniform. It's weird to see any of these guys out of uniform, really. Mm-hmm. But Picard in general, because he's the captain. Right. When, 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 why would he ever be out of uniform? He's always on duty. Mm-hmm. There's no captain to replace the captain. I guess that's what your first officer is for. <laughs> that's what Riker's for, right? Yeah. But it, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. it's I, it, it's an interesting choice, yes. And like I guess I never really thought about where Picard was from. But given his name, it, it makes sense that he'd be from France. I don't know if we've ever really discussed that before. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, like I know I, the show has mentioned that he's from France before. Yeah, possibly. You know? um, and that's going to give us an answer to a question you asked us on a previous episode. What was that? And when we get to that spot, because I want, <laughs> I want to point it out when we get there. When okay. we get to that spot, we're gonna we're gonna come back around. But it's it's uh, it, it's a question that. When I watched this episode and it hit me and I went, oh, I should have told Matt that way back then because that, that totally makes sense. But anyway, uh, yeah. So, hey, Deanna, just just hanging out in the captain's quarters, standing there in the doorway watching him while he's getting dressed or yeah, packing or it, something. It, I, there don't always seem to be a lot of boundaries on a starship right. for whatever reason. Right. Like the, the, it didn't really strike me as weird because I think we've seen this before, not, mm-hmm. not with these two, obviously, but uh, just with other people in general, it's like just for whether it be for plot reasons or just less set pieces that they want to build. Mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, we're just going to start the scene with both of you in the room. Like, why are you in the room though? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I don't read into anything like that too much. All right. Well, it's uh, it's always struck me as weird, but I will say I do. I this is an episode where I really begin to sense the personal friendship that's developing between Picard and Deanna. Um, Fair enough. Not in not in an unpure way, you know. Yeah. Like I like I I really begin to do that. So anyway, uh, credits roll. Act one. Rorf, Rorf, or Worf, as some people might call him, <laughs> arrives in the transporter room to greet his parents, his human parents. Worf's a little on edge. He and O'Brien share a moment. Parents, am I right? And that's when Worf's parents beam aboard. The Rajinkos, and they're every bit of what you imagine when you hear their name. They're boisterous. They're colorful. They're basically everything that would ever embarrass Worf. Sergey, Worf's father, is an, est- is an old enlisted man, a working class fellow, just like O'Brien. Chief Petty Officer, that is, Miles Edward O'Brien. And he's so proud of Worf. And now that he's here, he wants a tour of his son's ship because at home he has all the specs and diagrams of the galaxy class ships. Sergey, we're not here. We're here to see Worf, not the ship. And so with a glance backwards towards O'Brien, Worf braces himself as he escorts his parents into the hallway. Yeah, it's Worf's reaction, especially before even before you meet his parents. It's Uh it it felt to me like 
the, the, the stereotypical, oh, the in-laws are coming uh-huh. and I have to deal with the in-laws type uh-huh. of thing. And, and it, it didn't feel like, oh, my parents are coming. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know, maybe I just have a, a, a good relationship with my parents. Like I was going to ask you, like, are- what is your I mean, I know I know you, but like <laughs> you, you have a pretty decent relationship with your parents. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I would I just saw them this weekend. Like right. I spent the whole weekend with them. We went to to a gamers retreat together. Like it, it was fantastic. I've been I've been talking to your dad on social media a lot lately, Matt. I've he's noticed. a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it's like I it, so to see this reaction, it's like about his parents coming. I'm like I I I don't understand what's wrong. Yeah. And so then when they show up on the ship, I'm like. Okay, they're maybe maybe a little eccentric, maybe a little, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they're not Klingon, mm-hmm. but uh, you can't expect them to be, and I don't think Worf does necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm still sitting here thinking, like, what what is he worried about? What what are they hiding? What don't we know yet? Mm-hmm. Why I, I I don't get it. Right. It, well, I mean, it's it's one of those things I often wonder about the people in the writers' room. Mm-hmm for for episodes like this because they always put like sort of like oh my god my parents are coming how embarrassing how how messed up is this like remember when when we first met uh Loxana when she mm-hmm. showed up and Deanna was like oh, what is she doing here she's going to embarrass me and yeah. and just this idea that parents just live to embarrass their children which which when when they're i i would say 16 and under yes Right. That would right. be an appropriate reaction. Right. Like if Wesley's parents didn't work on the ship mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, Hey Wes, your, your parents are coming this weekend. Like mm-hmm. if, if we got that reaction from him, I, I, I wouldn't blink an eye mm-hmm. like that, that, that would be fine. Right. But yeah, to have these adults reacting in this way, it's like, mm-hmm. really? Yeah. I, or if you're a grown, you're a grown man, like, come on, man, it's your parents coming to see you. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I did appreciate, um, and I know this actually is back up in the prologue, but I did appreciate Riker's response to it. Like, look, if you don't want to see your, war- your parents' wharf, that's your business. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you need to, we can arrange some time off. I, I do, <laughs> I will say this, though, is uh, in sort of jumping the the episode here a little bit, when we get Worf and his parents alone in a room together to closer towards the end of the episode, mm-hmm. and there's such a, a huge emotional payoff to to the way that they wind up connecting that it makes all of this worth it to me, you know, like, like I, I, I feel the way that they're, they're writing this so that we can get to that sort of emotional payoff. Like I, I do like that. I, I feel like I kind of understand what they're trying to do. I don't know if I got the same payoff that you did. Okay. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. We are not there yet. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but ultimately though, the Rajinkos, everything Worf is not. Down on the planet, planet Earth, that is, we're home. And Jean-Luc is strolling along a very beautiful wooden path. You immediately get a sense of yesteryear. There's a quaintness. And along the way, Jean-Luc meets his nephew, Rene, a boy about 10 or so. Rene's father, which is Jean-Luc's brother, has been expecting him. Rene says that Jean-Luc doesn't strike him as an arrogant son of a, hey there, kiddo. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about that later, shall we? Obviously, there's been something between Jean-Luc and his brother, Robert. Picard wonders if it's time to change all that. And Rene runs off to tell the others that he's here. So my first reaction here, uh-huh. as he's walking along, mm-hmm. is this real France or is this holodeck France? 
it kind of has that vibe, doesn't it? It, it, it yeah. does because yeah. like there's no one and then there's, you know, one character and he kind of has this weird interaction with him. It's like, mm-hmm. especially since he like knows who he is, but like says he's never met him before. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. Like what's going on? I, I, I'm not quite sure I'm understanding what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And like part of uh, part of it was because uh, Deanna did kind of give him a strange look as he was leaving. And it's like, are, are you sure? And so mm-hmm. did, did, did he tell her that, yeah, I'm going to go to France, but not real France. I'm just going to go to the holodeck for a few days. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are you sure that's the best solution? What would you have and, done, Matt, if the reveal was that this was a holodeck simulation, like the whole time, like you get through this whole thing. And at the end, Picard just goes computer and program. And the whole thing just fades out. If it helped him solve his problems, get through his problems. I, I totally think that's a valid use of the holodeck. Fair like, okay. I, I, I mean, seriously, yeah. what, like, like it, it, what, what good is the holodeck if you can't use it for things like that? Mm-hmm. To, I, I mean, when you're millions of light years away out in space, mm-hmm. you can't come back to, cause they, they, they bring that up. I don't know if they've talked about it yet, but they, they mentioned that once in this episode, it's like, we're not going to get back to earth for a long time. Yeah. Like we don't stop here often. Mm-hmm. So you know, do what you need to do, and and so for, for circumstances like that, for you know, mental health purposes, mm-hmm. essentially, which is what Picard's going through here, I think right. it's it, like if you can use the holodeck for that, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, that's cool. I I do think it the idea that this is not a holodeck program and that this is actually quote unquote real, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that this is actually happening to Picard and these are his actual people. There, yeah. There's something to that realness though, that I think lends to the the credibility of what's happening because, and I guess here's where I'll stop and we'll talk about a little bit, the Genesis of this particular episode. This was not written or intended to be best of both worlds. Part three. Okay. Like they wrote best of both worlds. Part one, Michael pillar left and then they got him back and he wrote best of both worlds. Part two to get him out of it. Yep. And then by the time he got to the end of best of both worlds, he, kind of made a note to the production staff because Michael Piller didn't write this episode. He said, Hey, after everything Picard's been through, he's not going to be normal again. And we're at earth. We have a perfect opportunity to spend some time on earth and help him get back to normal and, and explore that idea. And it, it was, yeah. it was a really resisted idea by uh, Gene Broddenberry and Rick Berman, the, the executive producer on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, ultimately Michael Piller just, he sort of talked them into it and just like, look, I, I know we're not a serialized show, but we can't just put him back in the captain seat and have everything be fine. You know? And, and, well, and they, you, you, you could, but yeah, <laughs> that's what other shows would have done back then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And back then in that day and age, sure. I think you could have, and you could have gotten away with it. And that's what he said was he he said the way that we try to treat things so real on this show, mm-hmm. that wouldn't work. And he, and it basically he was, I think he was kind of, our viewers are smarter than that. Like he needs some time, but there was also this, they had a chance to explore what this recovery looked like for Picard. Yeah. You know, and, and the idea of, of what is it actually that's haunting Picard um and, and to give him a chance to deal with that so he can get back to where they where they were now we'll let you know just a little side story 
Gene Roddenberry, Rick Berman eventually agreed, but Rick Berman put the caveat on that they had to have a sci- the sci-fi subplot to it. They had to bring in the, the science fiction piece to it. Okay. And I see the look on your face right now. You're thinking, what science fiction actually existed in this particular episode? <laughs> Am I right? Not not a whole lot. It, it, it was is very aptly named family. Yeah. So because we just hit on everybody's family. Yeah. So they they tried putting other you know, like sci fi plots in with it, and they just realized, hey, this isn't going to work. Uh-huh. So they scrapped that, and that's when they added the two new other family subplots with Worf and then the Crushers. So there you go. That's how we get this episode. Um. Uh. uh for that. So. Uh, but anyway, the the idea that this really was a very intentional slowing down of the show and diving into really the mental health aspect of of mm-hmm. uh, people, you know, because this is supposed to be I think Star Trek is at its best when it's metaphor, when it's allegorical and when it shows us ourselves of what it takes to go through a traumatic experience. Um, in, in fact, I think Pillar had actually not I think I know he did. He equated what happened with Picard going through the whole Locutus thing with being raped. It's like, essentially, he's just been raped. And that's super serious. We have to deal with that. And this is what we do as Star Trek. No other show does this the way that Star Trek does. So um, I I don't know. I think that's a part of why I tend to appreciate this show a little bit more. Uh, This episode, I mean, a little bit more because it it you really get in and dive into that. But I want to I want to get to all that as we as we go through that uh, with where they are. Um, at the house, Jean-Luc is greeted by a warm and welcoming lady, Marie. It's only until she says it's good to finally meet you that we have any idea that they've never actually met before her. She asks how he is. Picard says, Oh, I'm fine. No, really? I'm fine. Just peachy. And Jean-Luc looks around reminiscing. Everything is exactly the same. Renee says he wants to be a starship captain. When he grows up out in the fields, Robert is tending the vines. His greeting is less than warm make yourself at home you know where everything is dinner's a date you're dismissed these are very trusting people <laughs> okay what do you mean by that a little kid along the side of the road walks up to a stranger he's never met mm-hmm. uh lady at home alone in the house mm-hmm. adult male <laughs> walks up <laughs> right. that she's never met mm-hmm. it's like hey you must be this person it's like, what if he wasn't? Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, yeah, they're living in a simpler time. I get it. Seems like they're kind of in a you know in the country, out of the way, mm-hmm. no, not just a random person is likely to wander down their road. But it, it's it, to me a very strange situation that they're in in the first place mm-hmm. because it's weird that there's a you know. Was how old is that kid? 10, 12? Yeah, eight, probably about I don't 10. Know. Yeah. 10 year old kid that ha- has never met his uncle. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, 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 a wife who has never met her brother in law. Right. And I granted the more now that I speak that out loud, no, no, not, not brother in law or sister in law. I've met all of those. I, I'm thinking mm-hmm. like uh, my cousin's, uh, spouses i haven't met all of them Mm -hmm. but that's you know that's a little more distant than my brothers and sisters like right i went to their weddings you're probably in their wedding at some point right yeah Yeah. like like i've 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 met these people multiple times i've met their kids Mm -hmm. and so that's weird to begin with Mm -hmm. weird to me at least but then for them to just see this guy walking down the street and Okay, I get it. 
Picard is a big name. We we've kind of seen this before from from mm-hmm. other races and stuff too. I've, right. I've I've commented on this how everybody knows the Enterprise and everybody knows that that Captain Picard is at the helm of the Enterprise. Right. But does does his picture go along with that? Like does does his, his yeah? I think it would. Are, I really do. Are, are there posters of Captain Picard down on Earth so everybody knows what he looks like? I I, I didn't see pictures of him sitting around their house. Mm-hmm. necessarily so it's like, like where would they know because yeah. i mean first of all it's i would i before i i fully understood this family's thing and why he came down here and stuff mm-hmm. but uh, that why haven't they you know just talked with him via technology right but and I think yeah, that's all that's all a part of it. I mean, especially at this point in the episode, if you're sitting here going, OK, wait a minute. Picard is a human being. So obviously he has family. Mm-hmm. This is apparently a family that he doesn't talk to ever. Why? And mm-hmm. why would he choose in this moment to go home to this family? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, apparently they're not close. So why go home? Why? Why is this the place he feels like he has to go? You know, yeah, and all of a sudden he, it, it, yeah. he's not going home as far as we know to his parents. Which right. at this point, I'm assuming are dead. I don't know if they actually mentioned that, but sure, as they, but, they weren't there. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. Uh, <laughs> I think they're past. Yeah, at, at yeah. the the like old family homestead. Like, mm-hmm. where else would they be? Mm-hmm. I mean, so, and let's face it, Robert and, and Jean Luc, uh, Jean Luc being the younger brother, by the way, are yeah. are not. They're not spring chickens. That. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we know people live long time in the future, but still, they're they're not spring chickens. So. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's certainly a weird family dynamic. But what you know, what is it that drive drove Picard home? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in this situation, he could have gone anywhere. Could have gone anywhere for vacation. You know, take a few days off, take a few weeks off, and this is where he chooses to go. So, well, let's get on with the story. Act two. Up in Beverly's quarters on the ship, she's getting a little, a little girl time with Deanna, who says that she and Will, meaning Deanna and Will, are thinking about heading down to Angel Falls. Just in case you forgot that. There's sometimes a couple. The doorbell chimes and Beverly is handed a large box. It contains all the belongings of her late husband, Jack, Wesley's father. She left it here in storage. In the box, Beverly finds what's effectively a USB drive. I think this is about all I can say. Yep. Yep. Uh, And on it is a holographic message that Jack recorded for Wesley when he was just a baby. Beverly's a little hesitant to give it to Wesley, but Deanna says that Wesley has questions about his father that his mom could never answer. And perhaps this will help him in that understanding. So I think at one point she even mentions that, you know, intended to give it to him when he was 18. How do we know mm-hmm. how old Wesley is now? He's 17, 18. He's about that okay. age. Yeah. And the, the reason we just know that is because it was, uh, I think we established in the first part of the second season that Wesley had just turned 16. Yeah. So he'd be, you know, yeah, 17, he'd be right about that age right now. Yeah. Like I know, I know he's close and, and the fact that he is, you know, more mature probably than most kids, his age, mm-hmm. or at least has more experience that, you know, I, 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 I can understand giving it to him now, even, even if he wasn't 18, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an interesting concept how they, how they kind of roped in his family into this story because it wasn't just i mean because we've had their family uh-huh. on board the ship it, it, that's they've been well, the family right? yeah, well, yeah. Well, well i know that there are other families aboard the ship mm-hmm. it's not usually the family of the crew that we follow along right with right so 
but they, th- those two are a family that we have seen function on the ship already. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, how do you how do you include them in the story? Really, it's oh, bring in the dad. So so unique unique story about that, or or fun fact about that, I guess not unique, mm-hmm. just fun fact. Uh, remember I talked about how they, they had the idea and then they needed to add the other subplots in to sort of kind of fill out the time and make it about family for various people on the, on the, mm-hmm. I was going to say the internet on the enterprise. <laughs> um, this particular storyline came from, you remember that open submission policy that we keep talking about where people could just send mm-hmm. in spec scripts. This actually came from a spec script that was a fully developed episode about this whole idea. And, uh, uh, they pulled that in and just said, Hey, that's, we're going to make that just a subplot. Uh, you know, a, a, a C plot, I guess, of a much larger episode, but pull it in and finally actually get, uh, you know, Wesley's father. So uh, it, an interesting thing about this idea, though, of, hey, I'm going to I'm going to record this. And with the intention of I'm going to record multiples of these as you grow up and you'll have them later and, and yeah. you can look back on them. And turns out I only got to do one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it gets heavy later. On. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, down in engineering, the Rajinkos are telling Jordy stories of Worf as a boy. Worf says, Hey, look at that. We've taken up so much of Commander LaForge's time. We really ought to get going, guys. Actually, Worf, I'm all ahead of schedule, Jordy says, not really taking the hint of what's going on. By the way, Matt, just a quick side note, you'll learn Jordy never really picks up on those kind of social cues. He is not <laughs> that kind of guy. He's just that that's unfortunate he's, he's not great I, with I, the I ladies mean, he doesn't pick up on that kind of stuff very well yeah i, I I'm, I'm sure it'll provide plenty of humor along the way but uh-huh, that's uh-huh. unfortunate yeah we've already missed a lot of it i'll be i'll be real honest with you mm-hmm. um there's been some episodes where i'm like oh i really want to show matt this just because of jordy and I, I i just couldn't fit it into the run of this show but uh if you ever go back and do the full rewatch of the show of the series mm-hmm. um yeah, it, it it is something else. So uh, Jordy's not taking the hit. Mama Ruzhenko, she gets it, though. That's enough stories. Sergey wants a look at the new engine uh, core. After all, he has all the specs and diagrams back home. Warfex. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, I I, I, I was going to bring up the first time, but sure. he brings it up so many times that. Uh-huh. I, oh, I'm going to bring it up every time, too. Go ahead. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I, I figured you would. Yeah, but. The, the, the specs and diagrams of these ships should not be so readily available. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, I mean, seriously, I, right? Like that's just asking for trouble. Yeah. Like, can you, like can I don't you imagine care if, grabbing the blueprints to like the latest, most advanced, uh, you know, aircraft carrier that we have in in our modern navy right now. That that, that that's that's probably probably a, a better comparison. Right. But at the same time, I'm I, I mean I'm thinking like yeah, the the blueprints to the White House public record, sure. You know, are they public record? I and I, I highly doubt it. I don't know. Are they? Out? But uh, for sure, not all the the bunkers they yeah, have. Underneath. Yeah, there's definitely some secrets to it for sure. But yeah. like that's what I mean. Yeah. Like I I I guess maybe on a starship, there's not as many you know secret areas you need to hide or something. Mm-hmm. But still, just having having the blueprints out because because then. Uh, like they, we had in one of the episodes with the Borg. Yeah, they they analyzed their ship and found you know the, the vul- their vulnerabilities, so they knew exactly where to fire at. Mm-hmm. But if you just have those plans out there for anybody to see, it's like what's to stop 
your next enemy from coming down to the planet, grabbing the plans and saying, Hey, this is where we need to shoot. Right. You don't have to be as advanced as the Borgs to figure it out. Right. It's, it's, it's a thing, but he has all the specs and diagrams at home. Huh? He does. He does. <laughs> um, as Worf exits, Jordy starts in with the techno babble, but Sergey really wants to talk to Jordy about Worf. He's got some questions. We don't know what they are yet because they go to a different scene. <laughs> yeah. And once again, yeah. they, they, they really jumped around in this. I mean, uh-huh. it always felt like they, they tried to cram too many storylines into this episode, yeah. but yeah, that when, when he, 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 he stops and, and wants to talk to Jordy about this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, okay. So maybe the problem isn't, with the parents it's with Worf yeah I, like I, I, I this like Worf Worf storyline almost felt like like the main plot at times mm-hmm. and I, I struggled and by the end obviously Picard's storyline was trumps everything but sure. I, like Worf storyline is close second and mm-hmm. it just like I I was never sure which way I was supposed to be viewing it. Like, mm-hmm. is this about the problem that Worf has? Is this a problem his parents have? Does it go both ways? Is it, but it, it just felt confusing yeah. more than anything. I mean, and this is, this is a really good time to talk about it because, you know, it, it's at this point in the episode that we get the idea that, that Worf's parents aren't there just to embarrass him. Mm-hmm. And they're not there. Like they're there with a reason that there's something going on. There's something deeper here. Of course, later we know what the real reason is, is they're there because their boy needs them to be there. They don't know why all they know is as a parent, their boy needs them, but they are just who they are. Yeah. You know, Sarah, Sergey and, and, and now oh, I forget her name. Um, uh, We'll get to it. Some I call her Mama Richingo. Um, you know they're they're there for they're there for their kid. They just show up for their kid, and you know Worf has trouble accepting his own parents for who they are, his own adoptive parents for who they are. Until later, you know what I mean. Like he he mm-hmm. it, it, there's a there's a piece of me. Okay, I got to be honest. I you know when my kids grow up, especially my son, especially my son, I cannot wait. I mean, Matt, I can't wait to embarrass the crap out of him, you Uh know, but I'm talking dropping him off at college and I'm talking and going seeing him there, you know, but I'm going to do those a little more on purpose, you know, but I want, I I mean, I want the kind of relationship with my kids that you have with yours, you know, quite honestly that I have with my, with my own parents. Um, And and, and, I mean, I'm sure, you know, but I'll warn you uh right now, there, there'll be that period Probably an eight oh, to ten year Matt. period oh, yeah. where they oh. won't want anything to do with you. Yeah, I'm gonna be so sad. The, I'm gonna the, be so sad. They'll turn sad. around. It, it, ha- it happened yeah. with all three of the kids in my family. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, it happened with me too. I get it. My I older sister, it. myself, yeah. and my younger brother. But now, like, yeah. I, I, honestly, with my younger brother, mm-hmm. I I would thought the day would never come when. Like I would see him willingly call my mother mm-hmm. and it's like, no, no, he does now. He, and, he's grown, he's grown up. He's changed. He's he. And see, that's, that's what I wonder. Like, cause I look at the writer's room and the writer staff for some of these shows mm-hmm. and I really wonder, I'm like, no, wait a minute. Are you, are you guys really just these people who haven't quite grown up yet? Like you're still in that kind of a phase of life, I, I suppose, it's you know, and you're imprinting yeah. that on your people. And, and I think, I think of a show uh, like the big bang theory, Matt, mm-hmm. where 
by the time we leave these characters, these characters are in their, their mid thirties, yeah, mid to late, like things should be rounding back. But you know, these characters who are written by the writing staff, which has changed over the years has not changed yet, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, they have a certain attitude about, uh, various things in life with where people are at their, their different phases. So it, it I, I do wonder sometimes about this, like how much of this is the writing staffs, superimposing themselves on the characters a little bit, you know? Sure. Uh, but anyway, why don't we get back to the story here? Back down at Chateau Picard, it is the evening mill. It's the typical awkward family dinner. Jean-Luc has a friend who's trying to raise the ocean floor and create a new continent on Earth. That sounds pretty cool. It does. That does sounds really cool. But Robert doesn't get it. He doesn't know what's so exciting about all this fancy stuff. He doesn't understand replicators and synth hall and modern conveniences. But this is a very old argument, one that goes all the way back to Jean-Luc and Robert's parents. Well, this awkward silence is brought to you is brought to a close by Rene talking about a school report that he's just written on starships. Turns out Jean-Luc was about Rene's age when he wrote the same thing, but it wasn't, but he doesn't really remember winning a ribbon or anything like that. A statement that Robert finds less than genuine. Rene runs off to find his report so that he can read it to his uncle. And Robert remarks that he wishes that Jean-Luc wouldn't encourage him. Jean-Luc says he isn't encouraging him, but that Robert shouldn't be so narrow-minded. Hey, buddy, you raise your kids the way you want to, and I'll do the same with mine. Ouch. Ouch, indeed. I can sympathize. (laughs) (laughs) But it's... Yeah, it... It's a weird situation when we find out, yeah, they're living without technology. They're basically Mm anti-technology. And it's it's always weird to see families that you can get such drastic uh, sides of the spectrum out of out out of one family. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like there there were times when we were growing up that I felt like my brother and I were very different. But more and more, it's like, no, no, we're kind of the same. We, we, we do a lot of the same things, like a lot of the same things, talk about the same things. We, our, our hobbies are aligned quite, quite well, actually. Uh-huh. And, and so, like, we do have a lot to talk about. And it's, it, it's weird to see that you can have someone who is basically as far away from technology as you can be mm-hmm. is the brother of the leading technological advances in the known universe. Mm-hmm. At like, least putting them into practical application, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, like, like they're about as far away as you can get. Yeah. And it's like, how does that happen? Yeah. Well, uh, but yeah. it also makes you wonder because, this frames Picard, or sorry, Jean-Luc. They're, uh-huh. both, they're all Picards. I, I had such a terrible <laughs> time writing this recap of having to note which one I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. But you don't think about it because they don't ever really call them Picards. Uh-huh. They, they don't use their last name. It's, they, they, it's always hey, Robert. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, so it, it, it's weird to think how they, they, they frame Jean-Luc actually as like the rebel child. Right. I yeah, would. I, I know. Like right. I. I. I, right. I mean, obviously, he's an older man now, so so I, it's hard to picture him as a rebel. But mm-hmm. he was. Yeah. Because apparently, his father was anti-technology, and so Robert just followed in his father's footsteps, mm-hmm. and and Jean Luc 
right. along now with Renee is they're the rebels, right? They're the ones, you know, reaching out past what, what their family is teaching them. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, this is kind of jumping the episode a little bit. Maybe this would have been better to do each chunk of, of each story, but um, <laughs> you know, like with Robert, especially not just that he just did what his, what his father kind of told him to. It's almost, he felt trapped by his place as the oldest child. It was his duty to do what his, you know, he had to be the example. He had to be the good kid. He had to be the, that was his responsibility as the firstborn child. See, you know, now, Picard was second born. He could just kind of go do whatever. I, you know what? I think what could have made an interesting mm-hmm. storyline here mm-hmm. is if Picard was down here experiencing this with Worf. Interesting. Okay. Because they 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 do both have siblings and mm-hmm. and Worf is is very much like as we've been exploring recently. Wait, Worf has a sibling? An alive sibling? He had one. Yeah, 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 Worf does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He has Kern. Yeah, absolutely. He does. Yes. Okay. Yes, Kern. Okay. Sorry. I, 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 I'm so I, I, sorry. I was pretty sure. I was I was thinking sure. about the younger one who died. Sorry about that. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah, you're I'm, right. think, you're right. I'm like his 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 brother came and found him right yeah. on the ship and yeah, yeah, you're and right. You're brought right. Brought him back. Yeah, my bad. I'm not just making things up, right? No, no, no. You, you no. really had me second guessing myself. I thought <laughs> I thought I was catching on to this. Right. <sighs> my fault. Okay. Okay. So yes. Yeah. Worf has a sibling. Picard has a sibling and, and, you know, Worf is, is very much the, uh, all about, uh, uh, keeping, keeping with history and, and, mm-hmm. and, and sticking to how you were raised. Right. Like that's kind of what we do. He, he, he needs to be Klingon. And so Except Worf he, wasn't raised Klingon. Yeah, and I, I, I understand, yeah. but that, that, that's where he is now. Right. And so I think I I, I, I want to see him down here with Picard and him seeing this interaction and see how he would at least get his reaction to the situation mm-hmm. and, and that'd see be, that'd be, that would be interesting. I could not see that happening under these particular circumstances under the, sure. the post Borg post locutus Picard's got to yes. find himself again. Like if, if it was a different set of circumstances, I'd be with you this particular one. I just don't That's know fair. that that could happen. So, uh, but I get where you're going with it. I like your thinking, Matt. I really do. I like your thinking. I always like rewriting the episodes <laughs> 35 years later. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, act three. Speaking of episode, Jean-Luc is walking through the vineyard with his old friend, Louis. There's a lot more reminiscing between these two old friends, but when the conversation gets around to Louis's work, you know, the one where he's raising the ocean floor, which sounds super cool. Louis says that the government is looking for someone new to take over the project. Not just someone like you, Jean-Luc, you Jean-Luc, but Jean-Luc isn't interested. At least he doesn't think he is, but Louis wants to send over some information. Just look over and see if you have any insight into any of the problems we're having. And Picard agrees. Mm. that's classic classic scenario yeah like, of course you wouldn't be interested like right. just, of course he's going to be interested right and i, I kind of want to see that storyline mm-hmm. and once again <laughs> if this was the holodeck we could explore that storyline mm-hmm. well this would be i mean if again if we could go back and, and rework this one a little bit if Riker didn't go ahead and get demoted to commander again, did he, he really get captain? demoted? Well, or well, I mean, he's commander. I think he stepped down. Well, okay, whether he stepped down or whether he uh, got it demoted or or however that worked out, if Riker would have stayed with his captaincy yes. with the fourth pip on his collar, mm-hmm. Jean Luc is down on the is down on the thing. And let that be a source of contention of, okay, what do you do now that you have two captains? 
Yeah. Well, Riker's going to, you know, they're going to offer Riker yet another command, mm-hmm. you know, because the Melbourne, the ship they gave him, or, you know, they've got to rebuild all the ships. There is no other ship for Riker to take over right now. So mm-hmm. he's going to be the captain. Oh, but wait, Jean-Luc's going to be on a leave of absence. And maybe, yeah. maybe this is actually, this becomes a story arc where Jean-Luc leaves the show. But again, Star Trek in this age and day is, is not serialized. Yeah. You know, so yeah, they, and, they can't and, and go and that's that the biggest problem. And that's yeah. once again, I'm like, well, okay, he's not going to leave. Right. Cause by the end of the episode, they, everything's got to be back to normal. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause I could totally see it nowadays, especially like you just split your time. That's a whole season arc at least. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Where you're spending probably two thirds of the show still on the enterprise, but a third of, the, of every episode just about is dedicated to, to what is Picard up to. Right. Right. And Picard's learning and growing and, you know, in theory, you're eventually going to see Picard get back on the Enterprise. Maybe, maybe not, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, but that leaves that leaves Riker as as the captain. And and in today's television, if Riker ever goes away, you know, we could actually follow his exploits or or something or that becomes a season five storyline. The <laughs> battle between Picard and Riker for captain of the Enterprise. In today's television, if, if Riker would take another ship, that would be the spinoff series. There you go. Yeah. Because, you know, that's, that's NCIS LA or right, something. Right. Well, or in this case, uh, deep space nine, you know, who knows? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. They, well, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't know yet. They still have one more season before they start talking about deep space nine. So anyway, um, uh, with that up on the ship, speaking of Riker and the ship up on the ship, Worf leaves his parents in 10 forward. They're concerned about Worf. Cue the intro music for the daytime talk show host talking with Guinan. You know, sooner or later, everyone who comes in here eventually stops and stares out of these windows. They're looking for that one star that's home, no matter how far away it is. Guinan turns and asks them. Uh, Guinan turns and wants to ask them something. Why didn't they ever give Worf prune juice? He loves the stuff. <laughs> Little callback to yesterday's Enterprise. The laughing turns into a conversation about how difficult it was to raise Worf and how hard it must have been on Worf growing up without other Klingons around. They had to let Worf explore his own heritage and find his own path. Guinan thinks that a lot of parents could learn a lot from the Rajinkos. She tells them, hey, listen, when Worf comes in here and he looks out that window staring at those stars, he's not looking towards the Klingon Empire. He's looking towards you guys. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, they, they had that moment. And yeah. I mean, again, this is a, a perfect use of Guinan. Yeah. Classic like, Guinan talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I, I never really, I mean, okay. I, I guess I do occasionally come out with predictions for what I think is going to happen in the show, mm-hmm. but I, I, I guess I didn't specifically with Worf's storyline here. I was more focused on Picard, mm-hmm. but if I would have sat down and thought about it, it's like, okay, yeah, what, they're on the enterprise. They're having problems. Yeah. Guinan's going to come in and, and fix things mm-hmm. essentially. Like right. get, get everybody on the same page, get everybody headed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And so we can resolve this thing by, by the end of our uh, 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Picard could use some of Guinan's help down on earth because things aren't going so well. Speaking mm-hmm. of that down on earth, Jean-Luc is having a conversation with his sister-in-law Marie. It seems he really is considering the possibility of leaving Starfleet and taking that job with the Atlantis project. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Considering what he's just been through, Marie says it's reasonable and it would be good to have you home. Who knows? Maybe he and Robert could even learn to like each other. After all, you are both part of the family, aren't you, Jean-Luc Picard? I want to talk about this, Matt. Do you? Yes. 
I, this is where I noted it. I was going to say this way up front. I'm going to note it here. A couple of episodes ago, you asked me about how, the way, was it the, was it the Admiral? I, wanna, I know Jean-Luc Picard yep. and you were all like, how come he's saying it wrong? How come he's saying it all weird? Because he's French. <laughs> and that's how you would pronounce the word name Picard in French is Picard. Yeah, I, I, I guess that now that you mention it, 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 it is kind of closer to how he was saying it, at least. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And well, like, honestly, it, it did bother me this whole episode. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, real bad, real bad, real right. bad. Like, just call him Robert. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an American. This is an American television show. <laughs> I know you're oh, British Robert. playing a Frenchman. Which, by the way, you've got to you've got to recognize that if we've never talked about it at this point. Yeah. You have Jean-Luc Picard on an American television show as a British guy playing a Frenchman. It's because he's a good actor. <laughs> There's a reason he's been in the business for so long. There you go. There you go. Well, Louis arrives at the house. He has set up a meeting between Jean-Luc and the Board of Governors. Yay or not. Jean-Luc is actually a little perturbed, but at least he agrees to go listen to their proposal. Act four. Beverly is giving the USB drive to Wesley. She's not actually seen the message, but it was important to Jack to say these things to Wesley. And it's time for this tanned young man to take possession of what is his. Did you note Wesley's new tan? Because it is fierce in this episode. I thought he looked kind of funny. And yes, yeah. that, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Not that only is it. he now in uniform, his hair is much, it's much less quaffed. It's yeah, cut. It like that, that's, that's the closest I got to it. I, uh-huh. I didn't think about the skin tone but yeah it, it, like I, I i i focus mostly on the hair i'm like ah, maybe he did something different with it mm-hmm. I, but yeah like i yeah oh he's very that, that, that was it yep he's very tan the regent goes arrive at Worf's quarters to tuck him in for the night we're finally admits that he really wasn't sure if he wanted them to come but he is glad that they're there we had to come says mama our boy was in trouble says papa they didn't understand the discommendation, but they didn't have to. Their boy was in trouble, and that was enough for them to show up. Worf says that he must bear his dishonor alone. That's not true. We are with you. We are proud of you, and we love you. Okay, stop it, everybody. I'm not crying. You're crying. <sighs> well, you got one thing right. I'm not crying. <laughs> I was. I got to tell you, I, I watched this and, and, and oh my gosh, Matt, uh, this one this got me this. I've never had this get me before. This one got me. Huh. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Th- th- this was not a moment that got me because uh-huh. like, like I was saying, like most of the way through this episode, I was just confused with the storyline. Uh-huh. Like I'm not sure who's in trouble, what, what I'm supposed to be feeling is it's like, oh, Okay. So you're just embarrassed about the discommendation yet, but they know about it and they mm-hmm. seem to be okay with it. I, I, I'm, I, I don't get it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things I got to tell you um, for me. Uh, it, and I'm really, really glad that my first child was a boy, yeah. um, not my little girl, because I, I handle things I think better with the kid, <laughs> with the boy than I do the girl sometimes, but still that's my boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, I have I I am a full on mess when it comes to daddy son things happening sure. like like ever since he's been born like for the last seven years I just I can't handle stuff like this it tears me up it, it just does um and and so I like the idea that 
here is a father, here's a parent who I don't really understand what you're going through, right? Like, like they can admit that I don't really know what's going on, but I know that you need me and I'm Mm -hmm. just going to show up. I'm just going to be here. I don't know what you need. I don't know what you need from me. I don't know what I can do for you, but I'm here and I'm just showing up. And even if it's just to give you a hug and tell you, I love you, I'm going to be here and I'm going to show up. And I just, I, 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 I lose it with that kind of stuff, you know? Um, and I don't know that you could ever relate to that right now, Matt, in your life. Um, but yeah, I, I hope other people could because it, it, yeah, man, it, this, this one got me. This particular part got me. I'm, I'm a stone face killer through the rest of the episode, but I lost it on this one. Fair enough. There you go. Speaking of stone face killers, back at the chateau, Jean Luc is drinking alone. That's never a good sign. Robert enters and sits down. He asks Jean Luc, all right, what really happened up there? Don't worry. I'm not really concerned about you. I'm just curious. John Luke doesn't want to talk about it, but Robert presses on. Maybe it finally taught him some humility or at least it humiliated uh, or at least it humiliated him. Either way, it's fine with him. John Luke has had enough. He walks out, but Robert isn't done yet. He follows him out in the vineyard. It's time for the brothers to have it out. Robert just keeps picking on him and picking on him and picking on him in a way that only an older brother could. Matt, just out of curiosity, I know you've mentioned you have some brothers. Are you the older, younger? Where where are you in your family? I, I, I'm the middle of three children. I have a younger brother. A younger brother. Okay, so do you ever just pick on your younger brother growing up? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we, yeah. we we had dinner match, especially when we got old enough to the age where our parents would leave us home alone. Uh-huh. And it was just me and my brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Things went down. There you go. Jean-Luc never wanted all the things that Robert accuses him of seeking out. You know, glory, honor, accolades from school, sports, the people in the village. Jean-Luc accuses Robert of being jealous, and Robert freely admits it. He was jealous, but he was the older brother. He had to be the responsible one. He had to look after Jean-Luc. The exchange heats up until the two come to full-on blows, punching punching each other, knocking over grapevines, wallowing in the mud, until the two suddenly stop and laughing and flinging a bit of friendly mud at each other. You deserved it, you know. Hey, Robert. Did you notice that? Yeah. He changes it to Robert at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why after the fight he becomes Robert. Well, I, I think it's... I think he's, he's picking on him again. It, it's that... I, I'm sure he knows his brother hates being called Robert mm. and, and he's right. poking fun at him again. Yeah. So they're laughing. Well, you know, you've been too hard on yourself, Jean-Luc. And that's when it all crashes down on Jean-Luc. He breaks down there in the mud right in front of his brother. And he finally gives voice to his entire experience with the Borg. They took everything that he was and he couldn't stop them. He tried so hard, but he wasn't strong enough to stop them. Well, Robert, Robert, finally seeing his brother as a human being. He doesn't make excuses or even tell him it's going to be all right. He just tells him he's going to have to learn to live with it. His choice, Robert says, is to either live under the sea with Louis or above the clouds with the Enterprise. The brothers help each other off or help each other up and off they go arm in arm. So I guess the, the explanation Picard gives us uh, that he thinks he should have been able to stop the Borg yeah. that is disappointed in his weakness. Like that, I, I didn't quite see that coming. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting mindset to have. Mm-hmm. Well, like we've talked about how good and strong of a leader he is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, I mean, I, I can obviously see that, you know, the comparisons to the rape that you were making, mm-hmm. 
it's before the record, I didn't make that Michael Pillar did. (laughs) Sure. sure. You you brought it up before. Sure. Uh, But that, you know, it put him in a position that he, he, he was helpless. He couldn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And not only that, and I think this is a, this is a unique insight with the Borg of whatever happens to the Borg with whatever he was doing. He was still conscious of what was happening. You know, like, yeah, at least to a point, like he should have been able to stop the Borg. He should have been able to stop from killing all those people and ordering all those things, but he couldn't. Yeah. He wasn't strong enough. Like, like he was. And and if you remember back in, I think it was the second part of Best of Both Worlds. There's a part where they're working on him and they're like mm-hmm. putting new implants in, and it gets a flash of a, a close up of his eye, and we just see like a single tear rolling down his cheek. Yeah, you know it. It. it hey, he's, he's still in there. He's still in yep. there. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's fighting back the whole time, and that's why when they got him back on the Enterprise, it's yeah. like, yeah, you, you saw it more and more. He started fighting whatever you know they had implanted in him. Mm-hmm. And so, I and I I don't um I don't mean I don't want to make light of the issue of rape um or presume to know what it is like to have gone through that experience because I haven't you know, but um when. And I don't want to say, but I want to say, however, I'm not trying to negate all that. Uh, when this idea of Jean-Luc being conscious through all that, but he sort of just, he loses control and just has to submit himself to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really have to wonder if, if whether it was Michael Pillar who did something or somebody like that seems so in line with what that experience must be like, or, or at least I, I what I would think that experience is like of just a, you're conscious, you know, what's happening, but at some point you've just sort of, in order to get through the experience, you shut yourself off or something. I, I don't know. I like, yeah. again, I don't, I don't mean to comment on that, but I find that idea to be so horrific mm-hmm. for what, for what it really is and what it means to, to have to go through that. And I love what Robert does is, is he's like, he doesn't just sit there and pat him on the shoulder and go there, there, it's going to be okay. Because it's not like, I mean, it might one day, but he, you know, I like what he says. He's like, look, you're going to have to learn how to live with this. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's there. This is now a part of you. This thing is happening. You're going to have to learn how to live with it. It's just. Yeah. It, 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 he basically pushes him to, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, it's always going to be there. You're going to have to live with it. You need to move on. Mm-hmm. So here are your current options. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I love it. He's like, look, you can either uh, uh, the the juxtaposition of you can live under the sea, mm-hmm. you can bury yourself, you can give up everything that you have been for your entire life, and and just go there, and that would be oh, honestly that would be okay, and you'd be home, you'd be close to you know we're here with you, the family, like that'd be okay if that's what you wanted to do, or are you gonna still go be who you are? Are you gonna live with it, learn to how to live with it, and figure out what that means? And, and again, I don't mean to make light of any experiences for anybody out there. Um, but you know, it's the point that I love is it's not just a, it'll be okay. Yeah. You know, like, like he, he actually allows it to, to bear the weight, but for whatever reason, Matt, have you ever had, did you, did you and your brother grow up like liking each other? Did you ever have the, the big blowout fight that we see here on screen that brothers have had? Um, I, <laughs> I, I can give you kind of three answers and none of them will actually answer it. Okay. <laughs> uh, we, 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 we definitely did not grow up liking each other. Mm-hmm. We have definitely uh, fought, mm-hmm. but some of it was actually kind of like structured fighting. Okay. Like we, we would wrestle in the living room. 
but it was something that we both agreed to, like, mm-hmm. we're going to do this now. And honestly, I think that sometimes helped get some of that frustration out. So that, I mean, that was kind of like their fight here in the vineyard. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it was a really poorly choreographed fight scene, if you ask me. But uh, in any case, yes, I, I, I've done that portion of the fighting as well. And then there's, I, 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 I know I've brought this up to some people before. I, I don't remember if I've brought it up on this podcast specifically, mm-hmm. but I, I've had that. I had that moment where I sat my brother down and said, Hey, I want to get along with you, mm-hmm. but you're not letting me. Right. Like, 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 it was basically, I had reached that point where I wanted to turn things around, not necessarily with my parents at that point, mm-hmm. but with him. And it's like, right. we're going to be hanging. It was in high school. We're going to be hanging out more. I just want to get along. Right. And, and like, he wasn't having it. And, and so like, I tried to keep my call as much as I could, but mm-hmm. like that, that, there was that, that instance, it's just like, we can't be like this for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. Something needs to change. I want to change now. Right. And but you're just not there yet. So it's, there have been instances. Yeah. That, yeah. Are, that are semi-relatable at least. Yeah. I grew up as an only child. I don't, I don't have this experience. <laughs> I can relate to the one with Worf and his parents. I can't relate to this one super well. I do remember seeing my, my two cousins who, who are, who are brothers. I remember seeing the, the older one, make the younger one so mad one day. And I mean, we were still, I, I mean, I'm talking in ages of probably 11, 12 up to about like 13, 14, 15, you know, like with age differences and stuff. But I can remember seeing my younger cousin chase after his older brother. So mad trying to kill him with an ax in his hand. Huh. And I mean, a wood chopping, go take down a tree ax. Sure. Sure. My younger cousin wasn't strong enough to be able to properly wield this thing, <laughs> you know, but still, if he had been and if he had caught up to his older brother, like bad stuff could have happened there. You know, like that's awesome. how mad he was in that moment. And, you know, those two are are, are nearly best friends these days. You know, um, I mean, they live in two separate cities, so about as best friend as you can be when you do that. But, yes. you know, um, there. So that's the closest analogy that I have in my own personal life. <laughs> to to what's happening here however the result of this fight and i've i i do know this it seems i i have not been in a whole lot of fights before in my life but the ones that i've been in for whatever reason almost every time actually i, I think i can honestly say every time on the backside of the fight that has actually come to blows that person and i have actually wound up really close yeah which is weird uh but anyway act five the brothers Picard are drunk, muddy, and singing songs and have made an absolute mess in the house. Marie comes in. What happened here? They mumble their explanations, and she knows that they've been fighting. It's just as well they needed to get it out of their systems. Jean-Luc agrees, and it's time for him to be going. He's not going to take the meeting with the Board of Governors. He knows where he belongs. If he ever doubts that again, he knows where to go. He's found yeah. himself again, Matt. Jean-Luc's back. I, like he's healed, I, I, but he's found himself again once again I, I i knew he'd end up there and i knew it was probably going to be by the end of this episode but uh-huh. there's a part of me that i i i, I, I kind of want to see more of this this underwater mining <laughs> <laughs> you don't care about the health and healing of picard you want to go see what that was all about over there right yeah i guess that's probably more <laughs> it <laughs> it's like you're a cold-hearted I, uh, person matt I know what needs to happen with Picard. I know what's going to happen with Picard. It's mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, back up on the Enterprise, Wesley enters the holodeck, and it's time for him to see his father's message. It's Jack Crusher, not much older than Wesley is himself. Jack says he can see everyone he's ever loved in Wesley. His parents, Beverly, even himself. They're all family. He can just feel the connection and the bond that they share. He'll always be a part of you, Wesley, and he loves you. And just as Wesley reaches out for the hologram of his father, it disappears. And Wesley says, goodbye, dad. Seriously, I'm not crying at this one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got it out I, of there. I, I, like, oh, <sighs> touching and. Yeah, it like. I don't know if it'll play a bigger part later in the series at Mm -hmm. all, but they could have easily left what was probably maybe three scenes Mm -hmm. out of this episode and been fine. Sure. Sure. No one would have missed it. That's probably about right. Yeah. It was probably the the whole Jack Crusher subplot was about three. Yeah. It was like the scene in Beverly's quarters. Scene with her giving him the thing and then him doing this back she gave it to Wesley and then Wesley watched it. Like used it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, down at the chateau, Jean-Luc is finally back in uniform. He's making his goodbye and Robert gifts Jean-Luc a bottle of the 47. Ah, we need to talk about that in just a second. (laughs) Try not to drink it alone. Robert says they embrace and captain Picard walks back down that wooded path where we saw him entering in the transporter room. Picard is coming just as the Rajinkos are leaving. He's pleased to meet them and asks if they've had the full tour. Well, mostly Sergey says, but there's a few areas due to repairs. He's pushed through the door by Helena. That's her name. And yep. Worf, as he shouts to Picard, I have all the specs and diagrams at home. I also wouldn't be <laughs> telling people I have all the specs and diagrams, <laughs> but you do you. Picard smiles at the family as he heads off to his quarters to unpack. Back down at the chateau, Renee is dreaming, staring up at the stars. It's getting late, but Robert tells Marie, let him dream. The end. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if he comes back. If he like comes that, back, Renee, Renee, and oh uh, yeah, like that. That that feels like uh, knowing that there's more series. Mm-hmm. That feels like a character they should pull mm. down the line. Yeah. It's like, all right, so yeah. if he if he's ten, I don't know, eight, ten years, mm-hmm. what series is taking place? And uh, hey, look who showed up. Yeah. Well, there's also a few movies left out there as well. Sure. I'm not saying nothing. I'm not saying nothing. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. look over here and take a drink. Hey, the number 47, Matt, this is a good spot to, to mention this. 47 is like an ongoing joke inside the, okay. the, the series here in Star Trek. Good to know. And they just, they randomly put this number in and, and I'll, I'll give it to you here. Just start listening for it because it's, it, it'll pop up everywhere. It'll just, mm-hmm. it'll be Starbase 47. The, this is the, the bottle of wine from 47 somebody's code like Picard four seven or what, or whatever. Like you'll, you'll just catch it from time to time. It's okay. just that it's just this little number. I'm not sure what the story is behind it. Somebody out there probably can, can tell me I might look it up one day. I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it's, they, it's, it's just a number. It's like a little Easter egg that they continually put in through the, uh, it, throughout the show. Reminiscent of, uh, 1138. I'm sure. Oh, the, the, the room, like the, in the animators thing, is that what you're talking about? Uh, maybe, maybe, so like in the like I know in like the 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 Pixar movies, um, there's a number that keeps popping up. It's like A one thirteen thirty eight or thirty six or something like that. I'm not sure what it is, but it's the it's the classroom number that they all learned how to animate in at whatever school that they went to. So like it's like a license plate or it's somebody's password or it's somebody's I don't know uh, 
their whatever code. Like you just see it all over the place or it's an actual like number on a door. Is that what you're talking about or is it something different? No. I believe you're referencing a one, one, three. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about uh THX 1138. TH. I don't know what that is. What is that? That was George Lucas. Uh, he actually created okay. a, a film early on called mm-hmm. THX 1138. And then he, he, um, I, I think he, I don't remember the full story right now, mm-hmm. but basically it became his little Easter egg. And Interesting. if you, if you pay attention to all of any film Lucas has a hand in, uh-huh. maybe not all of them, cause that's a lot of movies, but, mm-hmm. uh, the vast majority of them have have uh, little eleven thirty eight references in them somewhere. Interesting. That, that also, yeah, it could be, yeah, a, a room number or uh, like I said, a license plate or something like that, or just a code they uh, throw out over the air. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um. So there's another one that's kind of like that. Just since we're in this train of thought, and little side <laughs> note, J.J. Uh, sure. Abrams has something like that. Okay. Um. In every single one of his projects, the name Kelvin gets brought up. Okay. And I think like, I think this, I think Kelvin was the name of his grandfather or something like that. And so it's like his little way to honor, honor his grandfather. So in all his television shows, like there's a, a place or a character named Kelvin or something like that. Well, uh, you know, JJ Abrams did, uh, the, the Star Trek reboot movies back in 2009. Yeah. And the first ship that we see when the Narada goes back in time that, that uh, Kirk's father is on is the USS Kelvin. Okay. And you probably don't know this, but I'll tell you this, that created an alternate timeline for us. And we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure that out a little bit more, but it, it creates this alternate timeline. And that series of movies, the JJ Abrams series of movies that exist in this alternate timeline is yeah. called the Kelvin timeline. Okay. And that's, that's why, that's why they call it that Kelvin timeline, by the way, when he went over to to go to uh, Star Wars, there was also places called I think there's something called the Kelvin Ridge or something like that. It's uh, just sure. just a little name he sneaks in there. So, <laughs> um, all right, Matt. Well, that's uh, I mean that's the episode. And yes, look at is. us. We're at our normal runtime here for being me up. Um, I'll give you a chance before I get into uh, just a couple of last notes before we close out the show. Do you have any? kind of closing final thoughts here on this episode of family. Uh, not really. I mean, I like, like I said, I, I can see why you felt the need to include it. It does kind of round out this, this mm-hmm. mini arc as much as they don't do it. They kind of did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it's nice to see that Picard had to go through this and what he went through and the decisions that he made and, mm-hmm. and what he was struggling with. But um past that i mean the episode yeah. itself yeah. i don't need to see it's it. not thrilling i'll give you no. that it's it's not thrilling it's not an exciting episode it's a heavy episode i find it a very very heavy episode um the director of this episode his name's les landau les landau directs a ton of episodes for star trek okay like a like a ton he says that family was actually his best episode and what he thinks is one of the best episodes of star trek ever um that being said this was actually the lowest rated episode of the entire fourth season, <laughs> uh, which, you know, it, 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 again, this is where I, I sit back and I say the this wasn't as shoot em up pew, 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 mm-hmm. um, as some of the sci fi ish episodes that we get. We cert- we don't meet any aliens in this episode. Yeah. You know, we, we don't we don't there's not an enemy, so to speak, in this episode, I guess maybe maybe Robert possibly. Um, but the the 
I think the ground that they cover and, and where they show Picard getting to, and it all leads up really to that big fight moment. Right. Um, and we, you know, and, and Patrick Stewart, we just see turns into a, what I think was a really great performance and he's got even more great performances to come at it. I, I got to tell you. Um, but uh, John champion says this John champion is a host of a, of a podcast called uh, the mission log podcast. He works for Roddenberry entertainment. So, you know, with Gene's son who currently runs all that and kind of owns licensing or something for star Trek. I, I'm not really sure what all they do with star Trek, but anyway, this is what he says on this particular episode. Here's what he said. He said for a lot of people who will say that star Trek is about space and exploring. Well, star Trek is also about humanity and we need these grounded episodes on earth or something that is familiar or earth like to really dig deep into the character and does sort of really cement our bond with these characters. And this episode does it exceptionally well because there's so much here that people can find relatable. I love that quote, just kind of, I, I think for me anyway, it, encaps- it encapsulates where I sort of am on this particular episode of there's a, there's a, a, a I think I actually use this up at the top of the show. There's a bonding that starts to happen. I think for me with Picard, like having gone through this experience now with him that by the way, and I, I'm just now realizing this, Nobody else on the enterprise went through this with Picard. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's him and us as the viewer, yep. yeah, yeah, <laughs> you I know, mean, we go through this with Picard and, and there's a uh, minus technology. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know, like I find myself more for, like I understand Picard better more so than I think anybody else on the enterprise does now at this point, or at least that's the way I feel. So, um, you know, but I, I totally get where you are. Like this isn't an episode you need to see again. I would submit to you this is an episode you need to see again in due time okay and and i think this will be one of those episodes that may grow on you i hope it does anyway i really do i really do um let's see here um one little production note i'll give you actually two little production notes uh chief o'brien this is the first episode where we get his full name and his actual rank he Uh is chief petty officer miles edward o'brien Fair enough. We love O'Brien. We love O'Brien. He's he's just a side character, but we love O'Brien. Uh, this is also the only episode in the entire run of Next Generation that Data does not appear in. That's a good point. That is a good point. But not to worry, Matt, because he is about to make up for it in the very next episode. Would you like okay. to know what we're watching next? Yes, sir. The very next episode. It's an episode called Brothers. It has nothing to do with this episode. I know you got family and then you got brothers. The two are not linked really at all. All right. Um, but Laura's uh, coming back. Do what? Does mean Laura's coming back? I don't know. Does it? Thought it, you told me he's been like disintegrated or something. Uh, well, no, no, no. Because you might need to go back and watch that. He just, he didn't get disintegrated. He got beamed off into space. Well, yeah. Right. And I think you, you told me implied he, he was torn apart. Or actually, I think if I think I, I obfuscated on that and let you assume what you <laughs> wanted to believe happened to him on the outside of that. No, at the end of that episode, he was he was on the transporter pad and he got yeah, beamed he away and they beamed him into space. Jet. Yes. Do what? He and we don't know what happened to him yeah. out there. So um, I'm not saying that Laura's coming back. I'm not saying he's not, but I'm not saying that Laura's coming back. You'll have okay. to watch the episode and find out. That being said, because this is the very next episode, Matt, that also means that there are no um, extra viewings that I'm going to give you for this week. Sure. So uh, with that, uh, I think we've wrapped everything up with that, Matt. So I believe that's going to do it for us for this week on Beam Me Up. Hey, what did you guys think? Really, not just of this episode, but this run of episodes from Best of Both Worlds all the way up till now. 
Well, you can write in and let us know. Email us directly at beamyuppod at gmail.com or as Matt told us at the top of the show, head over to beamyuppod.com for more ways to contact us. Matt, where can folks get a hold of you out there on the internet? Best place is over on Twitter at as a matter of Matt. And if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can find me at Brent Allen Live across all the social medias. I would love to connect with you there as well, too. Well, folks, that's going to do it for us here on Beat Me Up. Until next time, live long and prosper. Yeah.